All right. Well, thank you for being here tonight. Let me let me say this. Um, you've had church tonight already. <laughs> uh, this is why Wednesday night is so important. And uh, man, the the church has ministered to the church tonight already. And uh, in song, you know, uh, I don't sing in the choir. I don't do those things. Could I? Yeah, I probably could. But I always envisioned this last song. Matt, what was the name of that last song that we sung tonight? Congregational. No, no, the, in the congregational. Living You Love Me, is that what it was? So I'm, I'm sitting over there, and I'm, I'm envisioning myself like, I really want to sing out really loud for this song. And I think, the moment I do that, this mic is going to come on. <laughs> and I'm going to feel like an absolute idiot. But I can envision myself like, I, I'm not even going to try. But uh, that's what, you know, you want to do those things, but there's some things you just can't do. And so... Uh, but I had that thought a while ago. It's gone now, so we will we'll, we'll forget about it. So um, tonight, the topic is the assurance of salvation. And I, I'll tell you what, it really, really hit me this morning, the weight of this. And I know on a Wednesday night, you think, is this really necessary salvation? But let me say this. This is first base. This is where you start. This is where victory, freedom, liberty starts and if you can't get this settled and live in confidence in your salvation, what do you do? Where do you go with it? And that weight hit me tonight, uh, this morning as I was finishing up my thoughts. And I know it's a Wednesday night, but there may be somebody here. And, and, the, and what I want this to be is a, is a tool in your toolbox. Be really practical tonight because I hope that you will encounter someone that needs to be saved and here you are and you have the tool that they need at that very moment to give them in something simple not over just something that can help them and I want to do that and try to give that for you tonight so I'm hoping that we can do that let's pray and uh, pray for that one uh, we're going to talk about doubt uh, well that, that, that can be a big deal for some people and we want to try to take that route and then go to the salvation part so let's pray Father we thank you Lord, number one, for the ability to, to proclaim your word and declare it. And uh, I pray that you would give me help to do that boldly, to be a help to your people. Lord, it has already been helped tonight through song, through testimony. And God, uh, you have ministered already in our hearts, and we just thank you for that. Give us your grace, your wisdom, and uh, Lord, a vision of who you really are in our lives. And we'll thank you for it. Uh, your name we do pray. Amen. First, the book of First John is going to be a book uh, from God's Word that's, that's going to be a really big help tonight. And the illustration, I, I grew up playing quite a few sports, and so I, I get that idea. And so you remember this, uh, parents, you, you put your little, little one in t-ball, and they don't know what's going on, and then it goes to coach pitch and so on and so forth. And then, but you remember that first little kid that comes up to bat, and the coach is up there, and they swing, and the ball goes, and he takes off the third base. You're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You got to go, you know what I'm saying? You got to go this way. Let's go in the right direction. That's what we're trying to do tonight is get that in the right direction and know that you know that what we're talking about. So I know we're entering in conversation where I really think holy ground is being treaded upon, and that is the uh, assurance of, sa of salvation which gives us eternal life. And man, what an awesome thought. So, and my subtitle for this was looking for assurances in all the wrong places. Because what we do 
is we seek assurance in salvation in things like this. What are we doing or not doing that meets God's standards? Uh, are we growing spiritually? Are, are we doing enough good works? Are we not doing enough good works? And are we being obedient? All those are great things, and I would say this are evidences, but where you get the assurance of your salvation is the objective truth of God's word. And that's where you have to take that shovel and you begin to dig. That's where you get it from. And so that's where we want to find it. You know the promises. So this is my goal tonight in three areas. God knows that you know that you are saved. you got to be dedicated to his gospel. Number two, you know that you know that you've made a decision for him. And then number three, you know so that others can know. And boy, that's the declaration of his word. So, 1 John chapter 5. Let me show you a couple verses here. If you'll look and just flip through quickly with me. These won't be on the screen, guys. I, I, this was, happened this morning. So, uh, if you'll look, just I want to show you where eternal life shows up in the book of 1 John. So, you can have this in, in your toolbox, so to speak. Look at uh, chapter 1, verse number 2. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it. We have bared witness and show unto you eternal life. Look in chapter 2, verse number 25. 2.25 says, And this is the promise that he hath promised to us, even what? What does it say? Eternal life. All right, once again, this book is going to help you do this. Chapter 3, verses 15 is a reference. It says, Whosoever hateth his brother uh, is a murderer, and he know not no murderer hath eternal life. A little bit different context, but the word is mentioned. Uh, chapter 4 is not mentioned, and then chapter 5 takes care of in three verses. And chapter 5, verse 11 says, and this is the record that God had given to us eternal life. Verse number 13, these things have I written unto you that you believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. Uh, and then verse number 20, the last one there in this book says, and you know not the Son of God has come. He hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. The last one says, this is the true God and eternal life. Here is your toolbox. Here's the tool that you need there as far as a good book to give you this. And so our goal tonight, God knows, you know, we tell others. Just so, it, just so that we don't feel like sometimes that we, we're going to enter this idea of doubt that you're not on an island to yourself. Man, why, don't I, why am I doubting this? Why, why, does, why do I have these things? Listen to this. The Prince of Preachers. Anybody know who that is? Listen to this. It's called the Prince of Preachers. I must confess here with sorrow that I have seasons of despondency and depression of spirit, which I trust none of you are called to suffer. And at such times I have doubted my interest in Christ, my calling, my election, my perseverance, my Savior's blood, my Father's love. I began to wonder whether I was really saved and having a holiday, a vacation, and being away from home now, this is, this is where it's interesting. I went to the Wesleyan Chapel, and a local preacher occupied the pulpit that morning. So the preacher is getting preached to. While he preached a sermon full of the gospel, the tears flowed from my eyes, and I was such a perfect delirium of joy on hearing the gospel, which I so seldom have an opportunity of doing, that I said, oh, yes. There is spiritual life within me. 
for the gospel can touch my heart and stir my soul. That's the prince of preachers. And right there it is. That's the prince of preachers. So you are not alone. You are not by yourself. So let's talk about this doubt. Doubt comes in some forms. Number one, it comes in confusions. All right, when you get saved, did I ask the right questions? Uh, do I have to get saved at church? I, I got saved at home. Is that, once again, what's stirring up doubt? Worry. I sinned. Um, can, can, I really, can I really be saved and have those thoughts in my mind? It causes doubt. What about this one? Fear. You're 30,000 feet in the air. You look out the wind and you're like, I'm going to die. This plane's going to go down. You get to the top of the roller coaster and, you, and the time before you screamed and had a good time, but then time it hits your mind. What if this thing stops in the middle of the air and I'm hanging upside down? Um, I have a 16-year-old that's starting to drive, and I get in the vehicle and I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, why, it's, it's doubt, okay? Here's one that really, you've got to be really careful about. Skepticism. Does God really love me? Does he really care about what I'm going through? You've got to be careful about going those ways. So doubt has the idea of, of two things. You can have this doubt of where it's this. It's an, it's an occasional doubt. And, and I would say this, the older that we become, the more we don't want to talk about this because we've been saved for 25 years. And I never, I never have doubted my salvation. Okay, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> it's normal. It's an occasional doubt is normal. I would say this, it's a reflection of your heart that says this, I want God. I want heaven. <laughs> I, I want to be saved more than anything in the world. I want to find out who God is. I think sometimes that's even healthy. It's circumspect. It brings us back to a point of where we was, and God brings us back to that idea and says, man, I am saved. I am confident in that. The quote, I uh, read this quote of a pastor that says this, Satan has made his business to try to convince Christians that they're not going to heaven and non-Christians that they are. Isn't that true? That's true. So the occasional doubt. Here's the one where you have to do some major checking up, and that's called unresolvable doubt. It's persistent. You do not have a biblical remedy for it. That's the one you have to be careful. We could say it like this. There is a doubt that we have that makes us lean into faith, and there's a doubt that we have that leans us away from our faith. And when we're leaning in, I think you're on the right track when you're leaning that way. When you're leaning away, well, you've got to be careful. What, what causes some of that? I think this, a lack of Bible knowledge. Somebody's asked you a question and you didn't know it and you're like, I don't know my Bible. Hold on, pump, pump the brakes. Okay, it, it's okay. And I think some people in haste, have answered questions that caused more confusion than to say, wait a minute, let me go back and find out, and I'll come back and help you. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I think that can cause some of that idea. Another thing is uh, uh, the, the idea of trying to get 
too quick into a situation, as we said, and you don't have all those answers that you have just made up on a whim. You have to be so careful of that. If not, you get that leaning away of faith. Got to be so careful about that. So that's the doubt part. And with the 10 minutes we have left, let's get to this meet and say this. We ask ourselves then, how can I know that I am saved? If you're here tonight and you are struggling with the idea of the assurance of your salvation, what three areas, what three ideas can you do, can I do to make sure that we are saved? And I, and I said it like this. The first one I have is this. We have to have a dedication to the clear gospel of God's word. What if someone tomorrow was to walk up to you and say this, how can I get to heaven? That's a big question. That's a huge question. And maybe that's happened to you in the past. How can I get to heaven? What is your, what is your answer going to be? Don't go to, if you don't know, Hang on a second. Gospel means good news. Matter of fact, gospel in one word is Jesus. That's who it is. He is the creator. He has given his, his word, this law book we call the Bible. We are sinners. We have broken his law. Now we are accountable to that lawgiver. There's a heaven. There's a hell. But God sent his son for us as a, an appropriate substitute. And then as a song, he, he bodily raised from the dead. And our response is this. Turn from our sins, repent, and live for him. That's the clear message of the gospel. And you have to be dedicated to that. No matter what happens. Uh, Matt just said it in, in testimony. All right, I don't know who these people are. Matter of fact, the idea is this. That's what's supposed to happen. Your life is supposed to be a testimony so that people can get saved. That's what we're supposed to do. The church is being the church. All right? Not just on Sunday. Not just on Wednesday night. Church is being the church. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4 says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which is preached unto you, which also have received, and you are withstand, which you are saved, if you keep in memory which I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, which I have received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, rose again, and the third day, according to the Scriptures. You have to be dedicated to a clear picture of who Jesus Christ is. Know it. Practice it. I remember this. My first year at Pensacola, I had a speech class. They're not very big, but one of the things they made us do is, is made us practice our, our speech, whatever, monologue, whatever it was. And so, and I hated, I hated doing this, but I picked up on things as I did. I would go to my room, and I would get in front of my mirror, <laughs> and I would practice this monologue, and I'd get through, and I'd watch my hand motions, and then um, I would, I would pra practice that. You know, tell me, tell me what to say. Tell me what to say. Tell, tell your wife. Let, let, let your wife play the unsaved part, okay, guys? All right? But what would you say? Dedicate yourself to a clear gospel. Number two, have you made a decision for the gospel? You know it, encourage that person, and you have made a decision. When we make a decision, this is what we do. Now, you think about this. In every day of our life, you made a decision today. 
Every day that we live, we make a decision. Number one, there's about seven steps in decision-making. They say this. Number one, you investigate the situation. What's really going on? Number two, you create an environment for that situation. What's happening? Number three, what are your alternatives? Heaven, hell, assurance of salvation, okay? You explore those alternatives, and then you pick one. You get a plan, and then what do you do? You take it out. You put it into feet, and you take it to action. That's it. So what are you doing? You are practicing those disciplines. And I would say this. As Christians, as you've made a decision to follow Christ, you have to follow those spiritual disciplines of the Bible so that it emboldens your faith. And that's the idea. I was going to read the book, the, the first uh, chapter of 1 John. I won't do that. Do that on your own. And I want to just, words like eternal life, declaring fellowship, the, that, that your joy may be full. Uh, verse number 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. You have to practice those spiritual disciplines you gotta, you got to read God's Word. you got to know what it says. you got to meditate on it. you got to come to church. <laughs> Why is it that when we get into problems, when we have issues, that this is the last place we run to? Oh, no, they found out. That's where you're supposed to get help. All right? That's where you're supposed to. That's why the pastor's office is back there. That's why you have people on staff that are trying to help. That's why Sunday morning there's people up front that's just waiting. I remember the first time I led a little boy to, to Christ. It was down in downtown Pensacola. I'll never forget it. And uh, I'm telling you, you want to you talk about something exciting, lead somebody else to Christ and watch what it does for your faith. I'm telling you, you'll be chomping at the bits to, 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 to uh, just tell somebody else you got to practice those disciplines. Fellowship, and then number five as we hurry here, pray for believers. i got to hurry. Last one is letter C, and that is the declaration of the gospel. So let's, let, me, let me reiterate what, what were our goals. The goal was this. God knows that you know you are dedicated to the clear message of the gospel. Number two, you know that you know you've made a decision, you're following, you're reading, you're meditating. And here's the last one. You know so that others can know. You are declaring the gospel. You are sharing your faith with courage, with confidence. The word declare says, means this. Say something in a solemn and emphatic manner with the acknowledgement of possession of. Now, let me say this. Rationally, if you think about just every single day, if you don't believe something, you're not going to tell it. If you do... What are you called? A liar. If you're telling something you don't believe, you're a liar. That doesn't even make good sense, okay? So you're declaring a message that you have, you understand, and you've made a decision for. Matthew 11, 1 through 5, and it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he departed thence to teach and preach in their cities. Now watch this. this was, I thought this was kind of uh, comical here because it says, when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent, his two, sent out his two disciples, and he said to them, Art thou that he should come or do work for another? And Jesus answered and said to him, Go and show John again. It says, those things which you've heard and see, and this is what he's trying to declare in verse number five. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, 
and the deaf ear, and that the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. A declaration of his word. And one, I guess I'll never, an idea I'll never forget. Malcolm Carter came several weeks ago, and you probably can finish my statement. Don't forget about what? Bob. Don't forget Bob, okay? A burden, an opportunity, and a boldness. Probably stick with me for a long time, and I hope I can practice it. I'll leave you with this illustration in a couple verses. Billy, you're 50 years out of date. People no longer accept the Bible as being inspired the way you do. Your faith is too simple. Your language is out of date. You're going to have to learn new jargon if you're going to be successful in your ministry. Those were the words that Billy Graham heard in a crusade when he was in Altoona, Pennsylvania. And it was said to him that he started to question the truthfulness of the Bible. And one night it says, Graham walked out into the woods and he set his Bible on a, on a tree stump and he cried out to the Lord, Oh God, there are many things in this book I don't understand. There are many problems with which I have no solution. There are, there are many seeming contradictions There are some areas that I do not seem to correlate with modern science. Then it says this. Graham fell to his knees. It says he was moved by the Holy Spirit. This was a comment that he said. He said, Father, I am going to accept this as thy word by faith. I'm going to allow faith to go beyond my intellectual questions and doubts. And I will believe this to be your inspired word have a dedication make a decision and declare it John 10 28 I'll leave you with these verses if you're doubting if you're struggling with the assurance of your salvation you can live in confidence John 10 28 and 29 says this and I give unto them eternal life they shall never perish neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand My Father which gave me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. You can live in confidence in Jesus Christ and know you are saved.